The opinions voiced in Investing Simplified with Bo Caldwell are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with an attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investors cannot invest directly in indexes. The performance of any index is not indicative of any investment and does not take into account the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. A diversified portfolio does not assure profit or prevent losses in a declining market. Roth IRA conversion is a taxable event. Guests on Investing Simplified are not affiliated with Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated. Investment services offered through Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated, an SEC registered investment advisor. Welcome into Investing Simplified. However you're listening, thank you for making us a part of your day. If you missed parts of today's show or like to listen to a replay, you can visit www.pricefg.com or you can download the podcast wherever you get your podcast. We try to post the show as a replay podcast every week. If you're listening live here in Portland area, I appreciate you. I'm Bo Caldwell, CFP, President and CEO here at Price Financial Group. I want to open the show talking a little bit about the news that's out there and the news in the markets, because we do like to talk when we start in the show about news and markets and how markets are rolling. And I've spent a lot of time over the last couple of months talking about how the S&P 500 is not a good measure, not a good barometer to look at the overall market, because every time someone says the market is doing this, the market is doing that, they usually refer to the S&P 500, but that's not a proper measure of the market itself, nor is it a proper measure of how markets are moving because the S&P 500 is 500 of the largest companies here in the United States and the New York Stock Exchange. And it's split roughly evenly between growth and value companies. And the growth companies tend to drive more of the returns of the S&P 500. If you looked at the returns before this week, the S&P 500 was up around 13%. And then you look at what's actually driving that, and I've described it before, the acronym that I use is a fat man, A-F-A-T-M-A-N, which would involve looking at the companies such as Apple, Facebook, Amazon, Tesla, Microsoft, Alphabet, which is the parent company of Google, and NVIDIA. And those companies have driven the market performance because the S&P 500 is cap weighted, meaning the larger companies drive a lot more of the return. In fact, if you were to look at NVIDIA through this week, it was up no more than 200%. Whereas if you look at the S&P 500, if you weighted it equally, and it's only up about 4% this year. If you look at the Dow Jones, it's a similar number. And if you look at the Barclays aggregate, which is a measurement of overall bonds, which stands to reason because interest rates have continued to go up, bonds are actually down to start the year. So or I shouldn't say start the year as we approach the end of the year. So potentially you want to make sure that you're looking at what your portfolio actually matches up with rather than using the overall market as a benchmark. Because if you are in those companies such as NVIDIA, you would have done really well. And they do really well when news comes out like it did this week where CPI, the measure of inflation, the core CPI came out that it was down to 3.4%, which is a lot less than the 3.7 that it was last month, year over year, and incredibly less than the peak of over 9% that we had a couple of years ago. And so some might argue that the Fed is winning the battle against inflation, but the thing to be in there, the caveat is, 
things are not getting cheaper. They're just getting expensive less quickly because inflation is constantly a thing that is in our lives. And if we have inflationary concerns, plus we have interest rate concerns, then maybe there is still some headwinds in the markets. And as we approach a presidential election cycle as well as a congressional election cycle, then that means to me that there's going to be a good amount of volatility in the markets. But volatility can be both up and down swings in the market. As we saw this week, the market moved more than 2% in a day for the first time in quite a while to the upside on that news that the CPI, the inflation measure, was lowering. So some of the things that I've seen the talking heads talk about is that means that the Fed's going to start lowering interest rates. But, you know, not so fast, my friend, as Lee Corso likes to say. If we look at what Jerome Powell said, Jerome Powell said, hey, we are ready and willing to continue to raise interest rates if we need to. So inflation is coming down primarily driven by gas prices. So gasoline prices have gone down significantly, and that's what caused a big drop in that CPI measure of inflation. But stuff is still more expensive and still getting more expensive, and inflation is here to stay. So our outlook, and take it with a grain of salt, because we follow a lot of economists in our business, and unfortunately, with economists, they're the only profession other than weathermen or weather women, you know, weather people that get to keep their job despite having missed on their predictions because you cannot know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone what's going to happen in six months or a year. All you can do is give your best estimation. But Morningstar, which is a pretty common economic follow, if you're talking to advisors, says they think the Fed is going to start lowering the interest rates in March. Personally, I think that's a little early. I don't think that they're going to lower inflation or excuse me, interest rates in March. I think that it's going to be more like, you know, around this time next year, November of 24, before they actually start to lower interest rates. Because to me, if they're winning the battle with inflation, as they say they are, then why would they lower the interest rates and let inflation come roaring back? Why would they ease up monetary policy and let inflation come roaring back? So me thinks that something in the overall markets or in the economy has to break at least a little bit before they're going to start lowering them. And even when they do lower them, I'm going to be quite honest with you, I don't think that they're going to lower them significantly. My guess is that it's going to be maybe a percent down because historically speaking, interest rates are still very low compared to where they were 30 years ago. So if you think about back in the 80s when inflation was rampant again, they had really high interest rates, which meant that you were going out and getting a 12% mortgage and were happy about it because your neighbor down the street got a 15% mortgage, but you were getting 9 10 11% on your money. And right now you're seeing rates in the fives and the sixes, and we're all jumping for joy because you can finally get paid to safely store your money, whether that's within the money market or with a CD with the bank. So you're getting paid to store your money on the short end of the yield curve, but it has always been a sign of recession when the yield curve inverts like it did and then uninverts, which it appears to be doing now. So there is some caution, I think, that's warranted in the markets because we have been so high for so long on this sugar high of this extra money that was pumped into the system when we withdraw it. We haven't seen the withdrawal be as harsh because of AI and because of those tech companies that are growing exponentially in terms of their market value because people continue to buy them because of their story, that tech story. I think, you know, artificial intelligence is here to stay. I think that those companies are still strong companies. I have no problem with the idea that they're 
you know, going up, my thought is if the overall market is not moving in tandem with them, there is a disconnect that feels very similar to me to the turn of the century, the 2000, 2001, 2002. And if you look at what economists are predicting, you can get everything from, you know, the doom and gloom of Jeremy Grantham that says the S&P is going back down below pandemic levels to 2000 in the S&P, or you get these other folks like Jim Cramer particularly, or JP Morgan has a much rosier view, Morningstar has got a little bit rosier, that think, hey, not only are we not going down, we're going to go up 10%, 12% from here. The key is you don't really know, and I want to take that unknown out of the portfolio and say, hey, build an all-weather portfolio, build something that is going to have diversified risk because you want things that are going up when others are going down. But that in itself means that some things in your portfolio are going to go down when others are going up. And unless you're willing to ride the roller coaster, that is the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ, don't compare yourselves to those particular indexes because you can't actually invest directly in them anyway. You have to buy an index fund that's always going to trail them by a little bit at least. But if you're buying those funds or you're buying that market, then you got to be ready to ride the roller coaster. And if you are ready to do so, by all means, because you can make a lot of money over time. As I've said many, many times, the best way in my estimation, in my belief, to combat inflation, to keep your purchasing power up is to have some money allocated to equities in your retirement plan, in your long-term portfolio. But that means you're going to have some measure of ups and downs in the portfolio, depending on how things are going. So make sure that you know your risk, that you've analyzed your risk and you've analyzed that diversification because there's gonna come a time when you need to start pulling money from that portfolio. And there's gonna come a time when that portfolio is down. That's the one thing that I can guarantee folks is that at some point between now and the end of time, the market will be down, right? At some point it'll be down, at some point it'll be up, at some point it'll be sideways because those are the three things that markets do, that the stock market does, that the bond market does, that the gold market does, that the real estate market does. They all do that. They have either up or down or sideways. So when you're comparing yourself, make sure you're comparing yourself to the right things because unless you're overweighted in those seven stocks that I described, you shouldn't be performing or outperforming the S&P 500. You should be probably more along the lines of the equal weighted S&P 500. And to me, having a return like that does not necessarily hurt you as long as it fits your long-term goals. So if you haven't done that risk tolerance update, if you haven't stress test your portfolio for what could come, which might be a you know dot-com bubble burst, what could come, which might be a 2013 bull market level run-up, we could have any and all of the above. And at some point between now and the end of time, we will have those things. So if you'd like to know what your portfolio would do in those hypothetical situations and match that with how it's going to look for your long-term goals and your long-term plans, give us a call for a complimentary consultation. 503-253-3000. You can sit down with one of our fiduciary advisors here in town to go over your goals, get to know your situation and tell you what we think. And if you wanted to partner with us for your long-term financial future, we'd be happy to do so. But worst case scenario, you got a free professional second opinion. So give us a call and meet with us today, 503-253-3000. I'm going to take a quick break, back with more Investing Simplified. This is Matt Sudol, Chief Operating Officer and Wealth Manager here at Price Financial Group. And from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to wish you all a happy holiday season. Thank you for listening to Investing Simplified. (laughs) 
Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming, but once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired, it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family. Welcome back to Investing Simplified. If you're just now joining us, thanks for making us a part of your day. As a reminder, if you miss parts of today's show or just want to listen to me wax poetic about all things retirement and financial planning, then you can download our podcast wherever you get your podcast as we replay the show as a podcast every week. You can also get that by visiting our website at www.pricefg.com. So we've talked a lot over the years about retirement and retirement planning being a big focus for our firm. And we often talk about the simplified retirement roadmap where we try to build out a plan that over time will help you achieve your retirement goals. But some folks will say, well, what can I do now to help get that plan started? And if you didn't want to work necessarily with you know a full service planner, but you want some tips on how to get your retirement planning going, I'm always going to say, I think it is the best route to work with a financial planner, to work with a holistic fiduciary firm like Price Financial Group. But if you're one of those who likes to do it yourself, that makes complete sense. You want to have hands on the wheel. Here's some tips. I'm going to tell you some tips that you can take right now to help plan for your retirement because you know entering retirement is a significant milestone uh, for most everybody. If you've been working for majority of your adult life, you have to think, hey, retirement is a big deal and it can bring both excitement but also fear, right? For some people, retirement means freedom. So you don't have deadlines or the stress and grind of going to work nearly every day for decades. I mean, think about that. I should do the math sometime, but the proportion of your life that has been, you know, spent working is such a large portion of your life that it, you know, maybe it's great. You get to freedom from that daily grind. So, you know, a lot of folks, maybe they can't wait to take it easy to spend more time with, you know, friends and family and basically do whatever you want, right? But it also could mean, you know, fear. So those fears about retirement are, you know, not unfounded because, you know, we've got times like lately during spiking inflation. Now we've had inflation come back, as you saw, but inflation is still pretty high. Prices are still, you know, very, very volatile. There's volatility in, you know, the rising interest rate environment. There's volatility in the markets. And there's a lot of predictions out there about a coming recession. So that could be, you know, fearful. That could make you fearful. So it's never a good idea to wing, you know, I'm using air quotes there, retirement. But if you're already retired or preparing to make the leap into retirement, a proactive plan, and like I said, we think that having a proactive plan worked on with a fiduciary financial planning firm is the best way, but a proactive plan in general is what you need, right? Because retirement planning isn't just about investing in the market. It's about prioritizing your goals, figuring out what's required of your investments and of your money to achieve those goals, because that's the biggest thing. There's been study after study that's done that having written goals makes you much more likely to achieve those goals than having those goals in your brain, right? Writing them down, being able to see them and look at them makes a huge difference on whether or not you can accomplish those goals. And so 
you know, basically preserving your retirement nest egg, because as you approach retirement or you're getting ready to retire, your nest egg is bigger than it's ever been, generally speaking. So you want to make sure you preserve what you have as you move through the different phases of retirement, because you might be dealing with a bunch of risks, right? Inflation risk, interest rate risk, market risk, healthcare costs go up over time. And longevity is a risk too. A lot of people are living longer now. Social Security was built, you know, when they built Social Security was only supposed to last to your life expectancy, which life expectancy, other than I think we had a dip during COVID where life expectancy actually dropped. Uh, But other than that, it's been going up and up because medical advances keep happening. So living too long and running out of money is a very, very big risk that a lot of people run into and a lot of people think about. So if you're doing a comprehensive retirement plan, it should include investment planning, obviously, because you need to plan for market risks and market movement, but it should involve income planning, it should involve tax planning, and it should involve some form of estate planning, right? So let me give you a couple things that you can do right now to help make sure that you can safeguard your retirement from all those risks, things to take home and to take with you. So have a vision is the first one that we like to talk about. And it seems like a no-brainer, but you'd be surprised how many people, especially couples, haven't given much thought to what they want to do in retirement. They don't know what their location is going to be, their lifestyle or future needs and wants might look like. You know, in case you're wondering, the joke is I want to buy a boat isn't a retirement plan. But have a conversation with your significant other, with your spouse about what retirement looks like. If it's Wednesday at 1.42 p.m. and you're retired, what are you doing? Are you on the golf course? Are you out fishing? Are you, you know, hanging out with friends? Are you playing poker? Whatever that is, have a conversation about what that vision is and have those goals and write it down. Because again, having the vision is difficult if you don't write it down and keeping to it. You know, the adage that I've used in the past is when you're doing a puzzle, most people think you know they have strategies for doing a puzzle. They'll say, I'll do the edges, or I'll look for corners, or I'll match colors. But really, the first thing that you need to do when you're doing a puzzle is know what the picture looks like. Because what kind of a picture are we trying to create with this puzzle? So you need to have that vision. You need to create that picture first before you can start solving the rest pieces of the puzzle. Now, once you have that picture... The next step is putting a price tag on your goals. And the key here is put a realistic price tag on your goals. Because once you've come up with those objectives, whether it's travel or golf or, you know, leaving money to the kids, you need to have a budget based on your estimated expenses. And a lot of people forget about because you think, hey, I will wait till my mortgage is paid off until I retire. Well, your housing costs are still going to be there. If you don't have a mortgage, that's great, but you still got to pay property taxes, still got to pay homeowners insurance. And if you happen to not live at home, maybe you live in a condo or an apartment, you're going to have housing costs. You also are going to have room and board costs, right? Food. You're going to have transportation costs, healthcare costs, which can be the biggest cost again in retirement as they go up over time. And obviously leisure activities. You got to have fun. You work this hard, you need to spend the money. Now, it might be difficult to predict what some of those costs might be that far into the future. But at least doing this exercise helps you grasp how much you'll need on a monthly basis to maintain the lifestyle you want. Because we're now pivoting from that saving muscle to the spending muscle. You'll also be able to more readily deal with pitfalls that will come along the way because there will be pitfalls. Okay, so now we have this expense budget. How do we backfill that with income? Because we're stepping away from having income every two weeks or maybe every month from our job. Now we need income from our retirement plan in order to fund all those goals. So you need to create 
an income plan, which means figuring out where all the income streams are going to come from, because they're going to be multiple, most likely in retirement. You're going to tap Social Security. Maybe you're lucky enough to have a pension. Maybe you have money in a workplace retirement plan like a 401k or a 403b. Maybe you have an IRA or a Roth IRA, or maybe you have other investments outside. Maybe you have a rental property that's creating income, but you need to figure out where all the income is going to come from, what your estimated amount is, build out that plan so that you know how much income you can count on, and then match it up with your expenses. So if there's a shortfall between the money coming in and the money going out, you're obviously going to need to come up with a way to cover the difference. One way to save more now, maybe spend less, cut back on some of those expenses, work part-time while you're retired, or maybe delay retiring later, or wait to claim Social Security as long as possible, as long as you're not working so that it's a larger amount. It depends on your particular situation. But the sooner you know what you're facing financially, the sooner you can work to remedy that problem. Because if you're in retirement or approaching retirement, you're in that red zone, and you have that shortfall, it can be a lot harder to make up. Once you've got those pieces together, now take a look at your asset allocation because investment planning is a big part of the retirement plan picture. You need asset allocation is what the term is for the process of dividing your investment portfolio among different asset classes, such as stocks, bonds, cash, etc. But you're also going to look at your assets in terms of if you have real estate or alternative investments, or if you have metals or commodities, different things like that. Now, you want to really diversify your portfolio. That's the goal of the asset allocation, right? Is to create a diversified and balanced portfolio. At Price Financial Group, we call it our all-weather portfolio. But the idea is you want to have a portfolio that's set to last no matter what the outside forces are. Now, a financial advisor is a big way that you can have help to determine the right asset allocation for your retirement portfolio because it's going to be based on multi-factors, right? It's based on that plan that we're building out, but also on your risk tolerance, because you got to be able to stick with the plan and stick with the investment allocation through the ups and downs of retirement because retirement, folks, is going to last probably as long as your working life or at least close. Most people are living 20, 30 years at least into their retirement. So you got to make sure you have a portfolio that's going to last that long. So then we've got the plan together. We've got looking at it. So now we want to hope for the best and plan for the worst. And I'm using that in air quotes because when you're soon to be retiree, you're dreaming of retirement. Probably you picture yourself doing somewhere, traveling, playing with your grandkids, maybe golfing like we talked about, all the good stuff. So we want to you know, hope for the best there, that it's all going to work out. But you got to also plan for the worst because there might be things that get thrown at you, pitfalls that get thrown at you over the years. Could mean you want to make sure you know, you're looking at Medicare plans. It's so complex. You want to choose the right Medicare plan that's going to fit your individual needs. If you don't have somebody you're working with, give our office a call. We have a Medicare specialist on our team, and it doesn't cost you a penny extra to have someone help you navigate Medicare. You might want to consider long-term care costs because maybe you have family that went into long-term care. Maybe you have a history of dementia or other pieces that might cost you to go into long-term care, or you're just very long-lived. And most likely, if you live long enough, you're going to need care just statistically because our bodies break down right? So consider how you're going to cover that. Maybe you want to make sure your surviving spouse is taken care of if you die first. Maybe that means some life insurance or a different social security claiming strategy. And the last piece that goes into that plan for the worst, I would say, and it's very important, is draw up an estate plan. We've talked about it before. You can work with eLegacy, who you'll hear from here in a bit with estate planning made simple, 
or you can talk to one of our other estate attorneys around town, but have an estate plan to make sure that your money and your things go the way you want it to and not the way the state wants it to. Okay. And the last piece we're talking about here before we get, you know, through the steps to make sure your financial plan is foolproof is don't forget about taxes. Cause a lot of people forget about taxes. And if you have all your money in a tax deferred retirement plan, like a 401k or a 403b, you're going to have to pay taxes on the withdrawals, whether that's the required minimums or just funding your income plan. You also might be having to pay taxes on a portion of your social security income, as I've talked about before, because maybe your social security income is taxable because you're making too much money from retirement plans. So you got to plan for taxes. Now that's irrespective of where tax rates are going to go too, because as of right now, the end of 2025, our tax rates are going to go back to where they were pre 2018, in which case they might your rates. You might be in a lower bracket, but your rates might be higher. So maybe you want to think about, okay, converting some to Roth. Let's figure out that part because a Roth IRA is a taxable event. And if you think your taxes might be higher in retirement, then maybe a Roth makes sense. The last piece, like I said, in making sure that your retirement is, you know, is foolproof or or disaster proof is I think working with a financial advisor. You can create this do-it-yourself plan. You can take these tips that I talked about, but every action I've talked about would be better, I think, if you're managed by a professional. A good professional fiduciary advisor can guide you through every step of the retirement planning. We can help with goal setting, help with implementing your chosen strategies, and regularly checking on the plan because what a lot of people mistake is they do the one-time thing at their fidelity plan. They have their green line. I'm set. We want to make sure that we're reviewing that at least annually. Are we still on track? Is everything still good to go? Are we still looking good to follow our plan? Because like every important milestone in your life, retirement will take planning and a bit of courage. So if you're feeling anxious, maybe about retirement or your financial future, if you're feeling anxious about whether or not you can make it work. You don't know what that nebulous number is that you need or you think you need in order to make it through retirement. Having a written plan that is drawn up by a fiduciary financial advisor can really help you put a sticker on it, put a bow on it to borrow a phrase, and you can feel comfortable going into retirement because the biggest key for that financial advisor, if they are a fiduciary, is making sure that you are taken care of and that you don't have to worry and keep yourself up at night worrying about if you're going to be able to achieve those retirement goals that you spent so much time saving for. So if you'd like that complimentary retirement review where we will go over in depth your retirement plan, we will help you build it out so you have that foolproof retirement plan, you get that simplified retirement roadmap from Investing Simplified's crew here, you give us a call 503-253-3000 or visit www.pricefg. Dot com to set up time with a fiduciary advisor here in town at no cost. Like I said, it's a complimentary review where we will go over everything in your financial life, tell you what we think. If it makes sense for you to partner with us for your financial future, great. But worst case is you got that free professional second opinion. So give us a call or visit www.pricefg.com. We're going to take a break here. We'll be back with more Investing Simplified. Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming, but once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired, it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. 
If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family. Welcome back to Investing Simplified. However you're joining us today, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, you can catch replays of our show available on podcasts, both Apple and Android, as well as Amazon Music. You can also catch the show on our website at www.pricefg.com. If you've got a question that you've been thinking on and that you'd like to have us answer on the show here, please submit those to askbo, that's A-S-K-B-O, at pricefg.com. You can also text that question to our phone number, and our number here is 503-253-3000. This is Matt Sudol, Wealth Manager here at Price Financial Group, coming to you with the Estate Planning Made Easy segment together with eLegacy Law. I've got Ryan Crandall here with me. How are you, Ryan? I'm doing great. Fantastic. We've had you on the show, um, and we appreciate your time. You can catch... Ryan by giving their office a call at 1-888-308-7526 or 1-888-308-PLAN. And I just had to look it up on the phone how to spell the plan into the digits. So whichever way you do it, you can get a hold of them. You can also go to their website at elegacylaw.com to request a complimentary consultation with uh, somebody on their team. So today I wanted to take a deeper dive into, you know, estate planning, but you know, how do you execute uh, a plan that's been put together? Maybe you have a will and you've been named an executor, or maybe you're coming up with a will and you have to name somebody an executor. Now, part of the reason we try to talk about this during the fall season and as we exit the summer and, you know, the fun times we had during the summer, you know, too busy to do a plan, too busy to really talk about it, as we all know. But we're back. And now as we're heading towards the holidays, we're going to be spending time with family and the loved ones, I'm sure. And so we're going to have plenty of time and nobody really wants to talk about the elephant in the room, which unfortunately we're all mortal and at some point will be not with us anymore. And so with that, it's probably not a terrible idea to find some time to really discuss these subjects. They're not fun to talk about, but some of the things that Ryan's going to discuss today are important and worth a quick conversation and potentially you know, then it can expand and open things up. Because I think just like with financial planning, transparency is key, communication is key. So if you have the loved ones that are around you and you're sharing information with them, if they're there to support you, the more they know, the more powerful they are and the more your plan works the way you want it. So I know that's a long lead way into what I was wanting to talk about, but wanted to kind of give everybody a stage as what we're going to talk about. And that is you know, if you've picked an executor, how do you make sure that they follow your plan, Ryan? How do you do that? Yeah, that's that's a great question and and great advice. I think on you know the holidays are being a great time to to have these conversations with family. Uh, you know, avoid the politics and and talk about estate planning instead. Well, that's um, no fun. Politics. That, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, <I agree. laughs> well, they can be make for interesting conversations, right. <laughs> but uh, uh, might not be the best in terms of family harmony and depends unity. if that one uncle uh, isn't uh, at the party or not, right? <laughs> Everybody's right, got that one right? uncle. Right? There's always that one. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 
but you know, estate planning, it's a good conversation to have and, and, you know, it can be a little uncomfortable. So, you know, but I think you can approach it with a bit of levity and, and, and fun too. And so one of the questions that we get from a lot of, of, and this is great, you know, practical concern that clients have is, okay, we put together this awesome plan. Like we got all the bells and whistles and the, and the plan is, is, is great. You know, we've got provisions for like, for grandkids and, and all these things, but at the end of the day, how do I make sure that this actually happens? Because somebody is going to have to implement and execute on this plan. And so how can I really be sure that they're going to respect and carry out my wishes? And one good thing, and, and this kind of goes back to that, you know, having the conversation with the family around the holidays, I, I always encourage clients. I think it's, it's a generally a good idea to share at least the primary components of the plan with our family members. You know, some some clients come in and they like to keep the estate plan a little bit more secret and maybe surprise the beneficiaries or the people that they named as their executor. I think it's, it's as much as possible good to kind of have those conversations today and out, out in the open with the family so that so that there's not any, you know, unmet expectations. Right. I, you know, well, when we and look at... You pick oh, them, go right? Ahead. And I was going to say, you pick the, the the executor, so you obviously trust them enough. So why wait till you're, you know, I mean, six feet under? I mean, then they figure it out, open up the Pandora's box. Right, yeah. Why not talk about Surprise. it ahead of time? Yeah, yeah. You, you're named as executor. Congratulations. Right. Well, not even that. Yeah, imagine somebody not even knowing, which I'm sure you get these calls all the time. Hey, just found out I'm an executor for so-and-so. And yep. what, how did that not come up? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, sharing, obviously, you know, sharing that information with the people that you've named, you know, also, you know, maybe sharing that information with the people that haven't been named, because I, you know, I think when we, when we see, you know, estate planning litigation that, that, you know, states going into court, not all the time, but a good percentage of the time, I think it's because the expectations haven't been met that, you know, maybe that child was expecting to be named the executor or the trustee. Or, the, or maybe they were expecting to get a, a larger percentage of the estate than they did. And so they're upset about that. And, and that's, you know, more reason for them to go into court and to, and to challenge it and, and make a mess. You know, there are situations where it doesn't make sense to, to share all of the, the details of the trust with everybody. But sometimes, you know, I think that's a good practice. And then, you know, the other thing is, is you know, how do we make sure that the plan gets gets carried out. Well, a lot of that has to do with your choice of trustee or executor. And we use those terms kind of synonymously, you know, from a technical point of view, the executor is is who is named under a will. So if you just have a, you know, a last will and testament and that's your primary state planning document, that's going to name an executor. If you have a trust like a living trust and that's your primary state planning vehicle, then that's going to name your trustee, but really that that who are we talking about is is the person that you've put in charge of carrying out your instructions. So really, you know, that's what an estate plan is. It's a set of instructions to a person that you trust. And so selecting that person is a really important part of the plan and, and something that, you know, we can get into some really deep discussions as we're designing these plans is, okay, really, who is the best person to name for this job? And you know, one of my recommendations to clients is to first to think of it truly as a job. I think there's you know, maybe a tendency in some families to to name the oldest child, right? 
as the executor because they're the oldest, so I have to name them. I encourage clients to not think of it that way. Think of it more like a job. Imagine that you were going to be you know, out of the country and you needed to, to hire somebody to manage all of your assets and, and pay the bills and, and manage the accounts and, and to do all of that work. And who would you select for that job? So, you know, when we're looking at choices of executors, who has the good skill set for managing finances? Who is who is has maybe more of that leadership skill set? And sometimes that might be someone outside of the family completely. I don't know, Matt, if you've ever run into that. You know, working with different families or, or family members. You know, sometimes the family members don't make the best executors. And so let's maybe consider maybe somebody outside of the family and and possibly a professional fiduciary. So we can actually pay somebody to do that do role that. Yeah. of executor. Yeah. Well, a couple of things I picked up on. So number one, I have a nickname for this and I call this family dynamics. And the reason I say that is because it's a real nice way of saying family politics or, you know, um, any bickering within the family, right? So naming somebody mm. you could trust, and as you said, it doesn't have to be the oldest. I'm the oldest of the three. Uh, my family, you've got a younger brother and younger sister, and probably will end up being the executor, but not because of anything other than I already work in finance and, and have that kind of, you know, mentality. My sister would be definitely be one to deal with the healthcare aspect of it because I want nothing to do with that. And she's got some mm-hmm. experience. So every family has those. So that's important. The second thing I picked up on is, you know, it's a, it's a job. And a lot of times it is a full-time job and it is okay to compensate the fiduciary that's executing your, your um, estate. And so the family should be aware of the facts like, Hey, so-and-so will take care of it. It's going to take time out of their day. And sometimes I do run into it to where, you know, maybe it's a example of our family. There's three of us and, you know, maybe I'm uh, getting compensated by settling the estate because I'm taking the time out of my day to do it. It's a full-time job. You have obviously seen this, Ryan, but if you haven't dealt with it, get ready because it is a lot you have to deal with between banks and, you know, I mean, we're talking DMVs, we're talking title companies, we're talking, you know, I mean, hospitals and bills and whatnot that comes through. And lastly, I wanted to touch on the fact that it is a fiduciary job, meaning you have to act in the fiduciary capacity. So you need to have find somebody that you could trust to be your fiduciary, just like you do for, you know, state planning or financial planning. That's key. You got to be able to act in your best interest. And a lot of times a disinterested third party may be the best choice because it might avoid some of the uncomfortable family dynamics, thinking that, you know, not everybody's educated at estate planning. So they may not know that, you know, I don't have control of how things get split up. I'm just simply following the plan. And somebody might, somebody might think, oh, no, you're just trying to skew things towards you so you can inherit more funds, for example, right? And that's not the case. So that's just my my thoughts on this. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a, a good case in a lot of families to be made for picking an outside fiduciary or executor. Um, you know, you pay somebody to do your taxes and you, you pay somebody to help with your financial management. So, you know, why not pay somebody to to execute on your estate plan? Um, and, you know, that keeps kind of the family out of it and maybe some of those hurt feelings because, you know, we see a lot of times even, you know, when, you know, say the oldest child is doing it, even if they're doing a, a great job, the others still kind of feel a little bit left out. Um, and so, 
you know, maybe consider not putting them in that position of, of potential, you know, conflict and animosity and, you know, by using somebody that's, you know, outside and, and not directly interested in, right. in any of the, you know, the yeah. assets of the estate. Maybe it's a friend or somebody, you know, I mean, and then we go into the whole uh, potential of, you know, professional fiduciaries, which are also out there that you can learn about. So again, it's a lot of information, a lot to unwrap. And Ryan, you guys provide complimentary consultations so you could discuss some of these things to see, okay, does this mean, you know, does it make sense for me to go through the process of figuring all this out? I would think, you know, because we're all mortals and we're all at some point going to have to be off this planet, we probably all need a plan. But how do people get a hold of you on the website and uh, to get a hold of the complimentary consultation? Yeah, probably the easiest is, is to go to elegacylaw.com. And you can pick out a, a time right right away for your complimentary consultation. Usually, we can be meeting with you the next business day and, and starting these discussions. Awesome. If you uh, prefer a phone number, they're at 888-308-PLAN. That's 888-308-7526. And then if you'd like to get a hold of us for a complimentary consultation, maybe take a look at how does that plan that you've put together and the execution of such plan work with a financial plan. And how do the pieces of the puzzle fall together to make sure you have everything uh, checked off your to-do list? Give us a call at 503-253-3000. You can also send us a text message to the same number. That's 503-253-3000. I appreciate Ryan joining us today. This has been Investing Simplified, and we'll be back after the break. I'll bet you've heard me talk about e-legacy law and how Tina and I wanted to protect our family by creating an airtight estate plan. Hey, it's Lars, but e-legacy law isn't just for our circumstances. They have many ways to help you protect your assets, including community property agreements and pre- and post-nuptial agreements. Whether you're currently married, going through a divorce, or newly engaged or newly married, make sure your estate plan works for you. E-legacy law is a full-service estate planning law firm that's completely virtual. We worked with an experienced estate planning attorney to get our custom plan done without ever having to set foot out of our house. And you can do it too. The process couldn't be easier. They offer affordable flat fee rate pricing on all estate plans. So no surprises. Go to eLegacy Lars to get the Lars Larson special rate to save $250 using promo code SAVE. Only available to my listeners. That's eLegacy Lars to save $250 today. That's eLegacyLars.com. eLegacyLars.com. And we're back for the last segment here on Investing Simplified. If you stuck with me this far, thank you for listening to me drone on about things that excite me. And hopefully at least some of the pieces are applicable to your situation or maybe answered a question that you might have. As a reminder, if you have a question, something that's been bugging you about your financial world, whether that's you know your finances, your estate planning, your tax planning, any of those items, and you'd like us to cover it on the show anonymously, send that to askbo, A-S-K-B-O at pricefg.com. We'd love to, you know, answer that question. If it's been bugging you, if there's a question you have, I, you know, one of the things I feel very strongly about is somebody else has been wondering that question and might just be afraid to ask it. So send that to askbo at pricefg.com. And we'll get, if we don't know the answer, we will ask and find out the answer for you. But it's something we like to do to answer here on on the show. So I, I was talking last segment about being able to divest of your investable assets or maybe a business or you know something that's appreciated a significant amount and saving some money at tax time, making sure that we're not 
selling it. Now, the one caveat that I will put that I did not say is I personally don't believe it's ever the right decision, you know, investment decision just because of the taxes, right? Personally, in my experience, it has not been the right call to do something just because of the tax ramifications. So if you like the stock that you own or like the business or the or the building and you want to keep owning it, but you're thinking about getting rid of it just because of the tax implications, I don't know that that, you know, is the right call. It could be, but in my experience, it, it generally isn't, right? But if you're looking to divest of those and take advantage of the tax opportunities, then yeah, give us a shout. But what about, you know, you're listening and say, hey, well, that's great, but I don't have $2 million in stock that's appreciated, but I do have $2 million in my IRA. We come across this situation a lot more frequently than you might imagine, where folks have done a, you know, just a spectacular job of saving. They've saved their money in this retirement plan, whether it's an IRA or a 401k or a 403b. They listened to my, you know, maybe not my advice, but an earlier iteration and started saving at age 20 and saved it up, right? So they've got all this money in their IRA, and now they're approaching the age where you have to take required minimum distributions, By the way, those are now set at age 73 based on Secure Act 2.0. So no longer age 72, but age 73. So that's specific to your situation because if you turned the ages of the RMD before they changed the laws, you still got them, right? But if you have an IRA that you've saved a bunch of money in and you're going to have to take distributions, but if that's all you're going to take, right? We And, you know, a lot of folks, you know, if you've done a really good job of saving and maybe you have a pension or maybe you have just other income, rental income or other income coming in, add that to Social Security and, hey, we're doing pretty good, right? We've added all that up and said, okay, we're doing pretty good. We are covered, you know, in that respect. We don't need to take money out of our IRA. And there are more people than you'd think that have done this, right? Sadly, in the country, there's more people that don't have enough saved. But for those of you that have done this, for me, it seems like a ticking tax time bomb. I don't know, that's difficult to say. But eventually, you're going to have to take the money out or your beneficiaries are going to have to take the money out, right? And if you leave that IRA to your beneficiaries, they not only have to take the money out, it is no longer a stretch over their lifetime option. That isn't an option anymore. It is within 10 years, they got to take all that money out. So unless they have a year where they know they're going to make no income, they're going to have pretty high tax bill on getting that money out. And even if they're at a relatively low tax rate, if they're in the state of Oregon and they're only in a 20% federal and maybe 8% state, that means that they're going to lose 30% almost, right? 28%, but almost a third, more than a quarter, almost a third. So if you leave them a million dollar IRA, really that's 750 down to maybe $660,000 that they're going to actually get to see from that million dollars. That's crazy, right? That is crazy that the government gets to take that amount of money. So some planning ahead of time can really help you with that tax burden, right? And there's a couple different ways that we have utilized for clients to do that. One situation that, you know, this case study that I like to talk about is we sat, got, you know, gentleman who'd saved up a lot of money in his IRA, okay? He's got a lot of money saved up, didn't need to touch that money, didn't want to touch that money. The goal was to leave it to his kids. That was, hey, we're going to, I'm built this up and this is my legacy that I'm leaving to my kids, which is amazing. We'd worked on some gifting strategies to get the money, uh, other money out of his estate, but he wants to leave that IRA money to his kids, right? Say that IRA money is going to leave you, leave this money to your kids. He's got a significant amount in there, but his kids are high earning professionals, right? And not that he's, you know, planning on passing away anytime soon, 
And actually, he's really healthy. This is what, you know, that helped us get there. But what we did was instead of leaving the IRA to his kids, we said, okay, well, you've got grandkids too, right? I said, yeah, yeah, I got grandkids. Okay. Okay. So what if we could leave the IRA to your grandkids who are most likely going to have less income, right? Same rules apply, right? Where we have to take the money out over 10 years. But if their income is significantly less, their tax bill is going to be a little lower. And he said, well, I like that idea, but I, I don't want to, you know, cut my kids out of it. So that's the beautiful part of it, right? So we don't have to cut the kids out of it. We can take care of the grandkids and take care of the next generation. So what we did, and this gave away the secret sauce, right? People are going to say, well, why don't you leave a cliffhanger and say, come in and see me and I'll tell you how it goes. Because that's not what we do here, right? We like to give you the info. And if it makes sense and you want to see if that makes sense for your situation, give us a shout. But so what we did was we took, went out and bought life insurance for this gentleman, right? Said, bought a life insurance on your life, and we're going to name your kids the beneficiaries of that life insurance. And we're going to name the grandkids the beneficiaries of the IRA. And how did we fund it? We funded it with IRA RMDs, right? We funded it with distributions that he was going to have to take from the IRA anyway, right? So he's going to take money from the IRA, pay those life insurance premiums, going to leave the life insurance to his kids. So when he does pass away, which I really hope is not anytime soon, but when he does pass away, which we're all going to do, now his kids get an amount of life insurance equal to what the IRA was, right? So they were going to get the IRA dollars, but it was going to be taxable, remember? Because when they pulled the money out, they're going to have to pay taxes on it. So they're going to get the IRA dollars, but it's going to be tax-free because they're getting a life insurance settlement. And life insurance, if used properly, is a tax-free distribution when you pass away the death benefit. So they're going to get the same amount of money that they were going to get before, except it's going to be tax-free. And now the grandkids are going to get to inherit that IRA. And I don't know what the law is going to be at that point. I mean, you know, maybe they repeal the Secure Act and go back to lifetime RMDs. I don't know. But at this particular point in the planning process, those kid, those grandkids are going to get to take that money out and they can take it out over 10 years. But if they're not making nearly as much money, right, then it's going to be a much better tax situation. So, you know, when I ask you if you want to pay taxes on that IRA at your tax rate right now, no, you don't want to pull it all out because that's the other argument. Well, why doesn't he just convert it all to Roth? Well, because that's a giant tax hit now at his, you know, at his tax rate, okay? Or you leave it to the, your kids and they're going to have to take it out at their tax rate, which is quite high. Or maybe you leave it to grandkids who at the time might be in college, might not have any income and they can dole it out properly if they work with a team like ours that maybe they don't pay any income tax on it, right? So that's a situation that is his particular situation, but we were able to take that money that he had set aside in his nest egg and we were able to carve the government out of it. And even if the grandkids got to pay, right, they got to pay some taxes on it. So let's say that in that, we re- referenced the situation before where it was 28%, right? And that's his particular kids are in a much higher bracket than that. But let's say we're at the 28%, you know, combined bracket. Let's even say that we're at the 28% combined bracket for the grandkids. It doesn't really matter, right? Because we they have to give up. Yeah, the million dollars becomes only becomes seventy, you know, $720,000 to the grandkids in that same situation using the same math, right? But his kids get a million dollars tax-free if we're talking about a million-dollar IRA, right? So kids get a million dollars tax-free. So instead of that million-dollar IRA becoming $720,000 when he left it to his kids, and again, I'm just using easy math. This is not the exact numbers <laughs> that this gentleman had, but just easy math. Instead of the million-dollars becoming $720,000 to his kids when they invested it, the million dollars became 1.7. 
purely by the fact that we used life insurance based on him being healthy. Now, granted, you got to be healthy, but we just took that million dollars that was going to be 720 and made it 1.7 and spread it across two generations. Can you imagine the legacy that this man now gets to leave with the same money? Now, again, this is his particular situation, and he's very blessed to not have to take those, you know, not have to use the RMDs, but you have to take them. Government makes you. So if you're going to take those RMDs, let's turn that money from, again, a million dollars that becomes taxable is now it's 720 to your kids. Why not make it 1.7 and spread it across two generations? And that has nothing to do with what we're investing in it either, folks. That's the thing. We keep it in cash, right? I'm not promising any sort of returns, talking about how we're going to get returns on the money. No. It's return of my money, right? I think, I don't remember who that quote is attributed to, but I'm less concerned about the return on my money as I am about the return of my money. And this is the type of advanced planning situation, the advanced planning work that we do for our clients all the time. This is what you get when you work with a financial team like ours is the potential to turn a million dollars into 1.7, two thirds of it tax-free. That's crazy talk, right? Except it isn't because that's the situation that we're in with him. Now, it may not work for your situation. And again, there is risk of loss in all investments. I always have to put all this, you know, the, the stuff out there for compliance folks who are listening. But if you're interested in that, if you've got a severely appreciated IRA or severely appreciated 401k and you're not planning on doing anything with it, the plan is to leave it to your heirs. That is great. Good for you. And good for you that you want to leave that legacy. Wouldn't it be great if we could maximize that legacy? And don't, you know, don't get caught up on that. Oh, I don't have grandkids. Well, sure. Let's, let's, instead of naming grandkids, the beneficiary of it, let's name a charity and still get the tax-free, you know, tax-free money to your kids. Could you utilize the CRT like we used before? If you have, you know, um, the charitable remainder trust, if you have outside of the IRA assets, we will explore, you know, Roth conversions. Does that make sense for you? It might, might not, but if you don't know, and if you don't know what the options are, then you're not setting yourself up for success. So give us a call, 503-253-3000, or visit www.pricefg.com. We'd be happy to sit down for a complimentary consultation. We'll run you through our proprietary process, right? Here's what we do. Here's what we're looking at. Here's all the things that we're planning for, and see if we're the right firm for you. And we may not be. We are not the right firm for everybody. But wouldn't it be worth maybe an hour of your time to sit down and find out? So give us a call, 503-253-3000. If you have a question, something you'd like us to talk about on the show, send it to askbo at pricefg.com. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm so glad to be back. We will talk to you next week. God bless you all. Be safe out there. This has been Investing Simplified. Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming, but once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired, it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family. The opinions voiced in Investing Simplified with Bo Caldwell are for general information only. 
and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with an attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investors cannot invest directly in indexes. The performance of any index is not indicative of any investment and does not take into account the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. A diversified portfolio does not assure profit or prevent losses in a declining market. Roth IRA conversion is a taxable event. Guests on Investing Simplified are not affiliated with Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated. Investment services offered through Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming, but once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired, it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family.